Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Our gracious and all-wise and merciful Heavenly Father, hallowed be Thy name. We do pray that we would have the proper spirit and reverence as we continue in this worship. Thy ways are so far above ours as the heavens are above the earth. And yet, you condescend in sovereign mercy and dwell within us through the operation of your Holy Spirit. We don't know how all of that that is our own body and soul and spirit And thy Holy Spirit, exactly how they interact together, and how one complements the other. And how we often hinder and quench. Thy Spirit. We don't want to do that. We would that we knew more about how to honor and serve You. And yet, in that which we do know, we find ourselves falling far short. Without question, we are to obey Your Word. And we are to exercise ourselves unto godliness and holiness. We are to cleanse ourselves not only in our body but in our spirits. And so we ask our God that you would not only work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. but move upon us in a way that we would work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I question how much fear and godly trembling we do before you. Forgive us our hardness of heart. Forgive us our confusion of face. Forgive us our lust of the flesh and lust of the spirit and pride of life. Forgive us of seeking our own way above yours. Forgive us in the blood righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that the gospel might go forth in power throughout the land. Revival might be 
brought about as only you can do. Encourage, strengthen, and enlighten your ministers. And bless them to be faithful to the truth of the gospel in every aspect. I say them. I should say us. For I need it more than any. Yes, we thank you for your word. Now help us to dig out some of those golden nuggets that are embedded therein. In Jesus' name, Amen. We come today to the third chapter of 1 John. And I will say that I don't know if you were mindful of all the songs that we sang, but it seemed that each one of them, to one degree or another, was quite apropos to what we want to look at this day. Mainly the first three verses of First John chapter 3. As we said last Lord's Day, the previous verse, the last verse of chapter 2, is an excellent opening for this chapter. Because it says, If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of God. And then it talks about us being children of God as it opens up in chapter 3. Chapter 3 opens up and bursts into uh, praise of the love of God that not only gives us divine life, but it is because of His love that we are the children of God. I'm going to take the time and read the chapter, and then I'll come back and read uh, the first three verses. Before I read the chapter, I will say this, kind of give you an outline as I have outlined the chapter. If you were to be reading various commentaries, uh, most likely you would find that we would differ maybe a verse or two here or there, but overall we're kindly uh, somewhat in, in, in harmony. Verses 1 through 3 is talking about uh, being a child of God. Verses 4 through 10 is the manifestation of God's children. Verses 11 through 18, the context seems to be biblical love. And then verses 19 through 21, confidence before God. And then verses 22 through 24, the commandment of God. Now, you'll see that uh, there are subject matters that overlap in these uh, different divisions that I've given, but uh, that's the best that I can come up with. Let's read the chapter.
I've already read verse 29, but I'll read it again of chapter 2. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that is that doeth righteousness is born of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons, literally here, the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither know him, known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Wherefore slew him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Ye know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we, or know, that word perceive is our word for know, one of the words, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in deed. Excuse me. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemneth not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son, of, on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And He that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him. And hereby we know that He abideth in us, by the Spirit which He hath given us. Now the section we want to look at today, verses 1 through 3. 
Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I probably mentioned this again. Because I do have it noted in my outline as we come to it. But I want to say this at the outset. The sons of God here in uh, verse 1 and verse 2 is often equated with the sons of God in Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4, it talks about adoption. And it talks about becoming a son of God by adoption. However, the word for son in Galatians 4, this won't mean anything to you, but I I am going to pronounce them because you can hear the difference, is huios. The word for son in 1 John 3 is technon. And so, it would better be translated in 1 John 3, children. Children. Because it is translated that in other places throughout the Scriptures. In other words, and I won't read them now, we may read them later, but in... 1 John 3, 1 and 2, and in verse 10, and in 5, 2, uh, this is this word for technon, which is uh, a kin word for technion, which we saw in uh, John thirteen thirty three and Galatians four nineteen. And I'm not, I'm talking about four, Galatians four nineteen, not in Galatians four uh, four through seven. You have to make that distinction, and it's a very important distinction. And this word, uh, so <clears throat> as you know that. And I will go ahead and say this. Most, well, I don't know whether it be most or not. It seems like most. But I will say many to be sure that I'm correct. But I believe it would be most. Equate uh, Galatians 4 when it talks about the adoption of sons with First First John 3 1, and they make adoption to take place at uh, belief. But if you will remember, not too long ago we preached upon adoption, and our premise is that adoption is like election, it began in eternity. Because even in Galatians 4, it said, <clears throat> I'll read, start in verse 4, Galatians 4 4. But when the fullness of time was come, 
God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that under the under the law that they might receive the adoption of sons and because you are sons already a son God sent forth his spirit into uh, the spirit of his son into your heart crying abba father in other words you're already a son before you're given the Holy Spirit in regeneration. And even in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, it talks about that our adoption was predestinated, just like our election. In other words, our adoption began in eternity. That was the sons of God. That's the huios that we find in Galatians 4. But the son here in 1 John 3 is children. Children. And I thought, I think it is quite interesting that in 1 John 3, verse 1 and verse 2, this word technon is translated son, but in verse 10 of 1 John 3, this same Greek word was translated children. And in 1 John 5, verse 2, he said, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. So, in order to be consistent with the translation and the meaning of the terms and the words, First uh, John uh, 3, verses 1 and 2, the sons of God is nothing more than the children of God. It's not adoption. It's... Though the adopted sons are children, obviously, and so, and children by regeneration. But the adoption began in eternity. All right? So, I'm May. I will try to be mindful to remind you again of these uh, two terms in verses 1 and 2 of these words for son that is children and not son for a distinction. Now, probably that's not as interesting to you as it would be to a theologian. <laughs> Or, uh, or uh, an acute Bible uh, student that does a study of the words, but I think it is still important that everybody know this because so often it is, I believe, uh, put in the wrong category and connected with adoption. The word, I mean, the, 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 this section opens with the word, Behold. Behold. The, you remember when we began studying First John, we made the statement that there's two Greek words mainly, that are translated that gives us the theme of First John, and that is what? To know. To know. One Greek word is gnosko, the other one is ido. And we tried to give a simple definition as I understand it. Ginosko is having uh, knowledge and uh, 
quite good knowledge of a subject matter, whereas Ido carries that knowledge to a more intimate knowledge or understanding. And I gave the example that by studying electricity, we can know that if we touch two bare, wire, two bare wires or even one wire and be grounded, we'll get a shock. We know that by reading and studying the text. That's Gnosko. But when you grab a hold of the wire and get the shock, that's Ido. You really know it then. An incident comes to mind when I was a teenager uh, living on a dairy farm. We had some electric fence at times to keep our livestock within the field or the pen that we wanted them to uh, reside. And for the most part, I could go up to an electric fence and grab a hold of it and watch the muscles in my hand pulsate while the electric fence was pulsating. But I was at one of my neighbors one morning. I was helping him uh, as he was uh, getting silo uh, for his cows and so on. But it, we were standing there and there was a, an electric fence around the silo and uh, there was quite a bit of dew on the ground. And being a prideful young man and trying to show his uh, strength and idiocy, <laughs> so on, I, chose, I was going to show my neighbor how I could grab a hold of an electric fence and stand there and hold it and not worry about it. And Well, I forgot that the ground was wet with dew, and I was really grounded, and when I grabbed a hold of that fence, <laughs> it didn't take me long to turn loose of it. <laughs> so, uh, there are electric fences, and then there are electric fences. But, needless to say, uh, I learned the difference. And uh, I always made sure, if I was going to do that again, that I was standing on dry ground and not wet ground. <laughs> So, uh, <clears throat> and also, uh, you can make the electric fence stronger or less depending on the battery power. So that's something else that you need to take into consideration. But I say that to give you an example of the difference in two, the two, two words. And so how that Ido is... Uh, one of more intimate knowledge and understanding, and that's the word here for behold. Most of the time, this word is translated know, or maybe perceive, as we read uh, earlier. But here it's behold. In other words, stand up. Prick up your ears. Give intimate attention with understanding. Behold. Behold. And the tense here of this word that's used here it's, it's the idea of to see and to and and to know and really have some understanding of it.
Let's look at a few other places. First of all, in John chapter 19. Of this word, Ido, with regard to behold. While we're turning to John 19, I will say this. that it would be a very interesting, I think profitable study if you were to get your concordance down and look up every time the word behold, just the English word behold is used throughout the Scriptures. But in John 19, in verse 5, we're looking at this word Ido as translated behold. John 19.5 Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe and Pilate saith unto them Behold the man. Behold the man. Here's the one that has said that He is the King of the Jews. Here's the one that has said that He was the Son of God. But Pilate says, Behold the man. Yes, there is the deity of Christ. But there is the manhood, the humanity of Christ. And here as He is had His other clothes removed and draped with this purple robe, and the crown of thorns. I will say this, uh, the thorns that was there is not like the thorns that we have here in America. We had <clears throat> on the farm that I grew up, we had two or three, maybe more, but I, I, I can think of two, I can think of three thorn trees in and around our property. We finally got them cut down and If you've ever seen a thorn tree, uh, it has thorns all up and down the limbs, hard to get to. And if you're not careful uh, being around a thorn tree, you'll get uh, a thorn in your foot through your shoe. In fact, as a boy, I did that. I don't know where I got it, but uh, come home and uh, my foot was hurting. And finally, uh, after complaining with it for a while, uh, my mother or daddy won. I don't know which one, but they looked at the bottom of my foot and there was uh, 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 an opening in it. And so that night, they <laughs> here's some of your home remedies. They took a piece of fat meat and uh, uh, taped it to the bottom of my foot. And the next morning, uh, a little piece of thorn, about uh, three-eighths, I mean, uh, three-sixteenths of an inch, maybe three-eighths, just small thorn was laying on that piece of fat meat where he drew it out. But if you didn't get it out, your foot would get infected. 
and it hurt. And thorns were about, uh, most of the thorns were anywhere from two to three inches long, each individual thorn. Uh, those of you that may hear this message and have never seen or been around a thorn and what I'm talking about, you probably already know, but uh, think about a rose, that the thorns on the rose. Each each thorn on the rose is maybe three-eighths to a half. Some of them might be a half an inch, but more like a quarter of an inch long. Well, the, th- the thorns on the thorn tree were somewhere around two to three inches long. But the thorn that were in Israel, the, that would have been plaited into a crown for our Lord, were anywhere from four to five, sometimes six inches long. And I forget which verse it is. Uh, it may be uh, in verse 2 of John 19 where it said, And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Uh, one of the places, and it may be here first John, I mean, in the Gospel of John, when it said they put the crown of thorns on our Lord's head, it's not that they just laid it up there, but they pushed it down upon his head with great force. In other words, most likely those who were plaiting the, uh, the, the crown as well as putting it upon our Lord got well pricked themselves. But here our Lord, for you, beloved, had this crown of thorns and this purple robe And Pilate said, Behold the man. Oh, that God would bless us to really behold the Son of God or the man as He stood there on our behalf. Behold the man. This is our word where John said, Behold, what manner of love. What a wonder. What a wonder. And then also in John 19, dropping down to verse 14, And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. I thought that was quite unique that this same word is used of our Lord when John said, Behold what manner of love. Behold the man. Behold the king. Behold the Lord Jesus Christ. Sit up. Take notice. Get out, not your telescope, but your microscope. Look at Him. Or as Jesus would have said to Thomas, handle me and see. Handle me. Beloved, that we might, as it were, handle the Lord in our thinking as we go about the day. Consider Him. Give much attention to Him. Also in the Gospel of John, look at 
chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now we're just looking at a very few passage, passages because uh, this word Ido is used uh, some 669 times. But in John chapter 1, verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold your King. Behold the Man. Drop down to verse 36. And looking upon Jesus as He walked, He saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And then in John chapter 11, John chapter 11, verse 36, as Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, notice what it said, and the Jew, then said the Jews, Behold how He loved Him. Behold how He loved Him. Let's look at a few others. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Whether John was thinking about all of these Beholds that we have looked at as he wrote that first verse or as he wrote that verse there in John 3, 1 John 3, 1. Whether he was thinking about all of that or not, I'm quite certain in my mind that the Holy Spirit by divine inspiration tied these all together. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. Verse 10. No. Let's start back at verse 9. I don't know why I didn't put that verse in. Uh, it may be that when I was studying this out, I didn't even see the, the expression in verse 9. I should have. But anyway, Isaiah 40 and 9. O Zion that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with His arm and carry them in His bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. 
Behold. Behold your God. Behold the Lord God. Behold Emmanuel. Behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Behold the man. Behold your king. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Isaiah 42, verse 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Well, let's skip to Revelation. Revelation 22. The last book of the Bible. Verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. As we said before, so say we again. You could do a a very profitable study by looking at all of the beholds throughout the Bible. But just these, these few passages, does it not give, uh, give life and give strength and power to what John is saying here in chapter three and verse one of his epistle? Behold, what manner of love Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. Behold the man. Behold your king. Behold your virgin. The virgin that shall bring forth son. Behold the Lord, strong and mighty. Behold what manner of love. In other words, beloved, as intently as we might behold our Lord, so likewise ought we to behold the love that God has to us. As I said before, I'll say it again, a good study would be to see how the word behold is used throughout the Scriptures. Concerning this word behold, Allow me to read a statement of Arthur Pink. He said, quote, So that this word behold is used in the sacred page by the Father, by the Son, by the Holy Spirit, by the prophets, and by the apostles as introductory to the most blessed and momentous subjects revealed and recorded therein. In other words, he's saying how God, whether it's Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, or whether it's uh, the prophets, or whether the apostles, they use this word, behold, to introduce some of the most blessed and momentous subjects revealed in the Scriptures. And we've seen that in just little smidgen uh, passages uh, that we looked at. How that word is used. It It just explodes with meaning. And he said just as the the Father, just as it's been used by 
God and the prophets and the apostles and so on. He said, Pete went on to say, John would have his little children contemplate this glorious truth of the Father's love with reverence and awe. For he would stir up their pure minds to holy wonderment and admiration. He would have them engage their best thoughts, their own to the ravening, or ravishing of their souls. End of quote. Yes, this little four-letter word is quite profound. As John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pins it to direct our attention to the love of God. Not just to the man Christ Jesus. Not just to the King of the Jews. Not just to the Emmanuel that was conceived by the Virgin. Not just to the suffering servant of Isaiah. But this same idea directs our attention to the love of God extended to us. Not just extended to us, but bestowed upon us. The love of God. And here, as we are to draw our our attention and understanding of the love of God, it is not an option. Behold is in the imperative mood. What does that mean? It's a command. God is not suggesting that we behold this love. God is commanding us to behold the love of God. If you get nothing else out of the messages this day, Allow me to encourage you throughout the week to think, meditate, time permitting, study a little bit about the love of God bestowed. Not just the love of God bestowed on the elect, That's quite profound in itself. But that the love of God is bestowed, not only has been, but continues. The love of God is bestowed on you. Think of who God is. The I Am, the Creator of the universe, who not only created it, but upholds all things by the word of His power. Bestowed His love upon you. Why you? When others were passed by. Oh, wonder of wonders. Behold it. 
Contemplate it. Look at it. See it. You know, there's one thing to say, well, I know, I know that's right. But then all of a sudden, things open up. You say, ah, now I see. May God bless us to see, to behold the Lamb of God and to say, oh, I see it like I've never seen it before. I see it like I've never seen it before. Behold, I know. And yet, in the other, the, the other two times the word know is used in that verse is the word gnostico. Look at it. Behold is Ido. Word for know. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? Therefore the world gnosko us not because it gnosko knew him not. God wants us, no, God commands us not just gnosko to acquire but I do. Know what manner of love could be translated. But I believe the translators did well to direct our attention as it has been used in other places as we saw. Behold the man, behold the Lamb of God, behold your King. Behold, a virgin shall bring forth a son, Emmanuel. Well, I wish I could do better, but only God can sanctify it. The Lord willing, we're going to look at this a little bit more this afternoon. It's amazing what all can be ascertained by the use of a word. By the use of a word. Y'all have heard me say many times about songs and some of the real small songs, just a few verses, how that I'm amazed that some people are given the ability to say so much with so few words. When God puts, pardon the, the crass statement, but when God puts a spin on a word, He is really intensified. And you know what, Beloved, Someday we're going to really behold it. We're going to behold Him like we've never seen Him before. Let us pray. Oh, Father, as John so eloquently wrote by inspiration we know not what we shall be but we shall see him as he is 
Oh, what a beholding that shall be. Would you set this truth before our mind and eyes on a continual basis in such a way that it would compel us to be more faithful to walk more holily, righteously, and godly in this present world. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.